Hello, I'm Derek Wheatley, and welcome to episode 16 of the Weekly Weekly Podcast. As ever, thank you for your support. Uh, one special shout out to all of those people who have stuck with me through the uh, solo journeys that I've I've had um, over the last few weeks. Um, we're working on some guests trying to get some guests coming in again obviously we need to uh, make sure they're comfortable with it obviously within the restrictions we have to um, keep the social distancing going so there's a few little bits and pieces we need to uh, make sure are still in place but I'll be so happy to have people back in and uh, I'll probably I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later in this episode um we did the Saturday show again, had a bit of crack and, you know, the the usual kind of fun we have over there. And we have a a, a very loyal um, following. And we always talk about kind of stuff that is wouldn't I wouldn't get to cover on, on the uh, on the Wednesday podcasts. And John always keeps the, the show on the road over there as well. Um, of questions and conversation and some of some of the stuff he's been listening to or watching or, or whatever he's been up to, which is takes a bit of the weight off um, me, which is always welcome. Uh, my birthday just passed on Sunday and had a really nice weekend. Um, uh, lots of uh, birthday wishes um, for people who I know on Facebook or, or whatever. And, you know, my uh my my family and things like that so it was really nice um 38 now you know getting 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 up there um but uh, it it was a nice uh, it was a nice weekend i got very little work done and, and so most of this episode was already written and then i cobbled together some bits at the end but um let's going to get going on this cuz i I had this kind of planned for a little while, but it was really my mother that pushed me over the line to do it, uh, and a couple of other people, but in particular my mother, um, who said that I should do this and it was a good idea. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a short story that I wrote, I would guess at around seven years ago, maybe a year either side of that. I had, I had started writing with a novel, which was very much sticking to how I had the breakdown at the time and things that were happening um that kind of in 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 line with what was happening with the breakdown so I wrote a novel it's not great I'll be honest I think I'm a better short story writer start yeah short story writer even some of you have read this uh short story before and I and I hope it's okay for me to read it again to you and I hope you stick with it because Obviously, the fact that I wrote it might might make it slightly different for you. Um, just a slight bit of background on it. It was one of the maybe first five of a project I was working on, and still I'm working on, uh, where I'm writing fifty short stories, one set in each each state of America. Um, it just it, I don't know. It it America's always interested me. It's always a, such a diverse country in terms of state by state laws and, um you know the 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 uh the plant life the animal life it's all such a such a different um country from like east to west and north to south so i set this one in oregon um it's called life as a failure which is very much a 
a very much a motto I, I think I I think I used at at the time that I was at my very lowest. Um and yeah, we'll just go for it. It's written in the form of a letter. Just so you know, the letter is not addressed to anyone, nor is it signed by anyone. So uh it's kind of an open letter, if you will. Uh almost like I, I I gave myself some leeway to fill it, to allow myself to fill it in if I wanted to, or someone else to fill it in. So it's very much written like that. Okay, so here we go. Let's not try and make us too many mistakes. <laughs> so, dear, here I am now, red marks across my neck that itch and sting. Didn't Bob used to say that I was no good at anything? Well, he can now add suicide to that bulging list. My neck didn't snap, neither did the rope, nope. It was the damn beam. Now I have a sprained ankle that is swelling, just like the previously mentioned list of my failures. Abrasions across my neck that shock every time my Adam's apple moves, and that all-too-familiar feeling of a bruised ego. Okay, I know my choice of a place to die was bad, but I did pick the thickest beam of that old barn. I used a ladder to get up there. I shimmied out to the middle, tied the knot that I had been practicing for a number of days previously, and you know what? I didn't feel afraid. I was trembling or sweating. Sorry, I wasn't trembling or sweating. My heartbeat felt normal. If anything, I felt euphoric. This strange high that I've only previously got from a bottle of good wine or from that time I bungeed off the crane at the fair a couple of years ago. I sat up on that beam, looking down at the mouse trappings and the odd length of straw that moved in tune with the soft breeze coming through the open door, which I had previously left open so someone would eventually find me in my hanging post-mortem state. So I let my weight take me down. I allowed gravity to pull me. Wham! Snap! The floor was coming too close. I landed on my damn ankle. And what was and what was euphoria turned to embarrassment and the shameful hobble back home. I'm glad I didn't meet anyone on the way. How would I explain my neck, which now feels as if it is on fire? I'm such an idiot. I wonder if the barn is still standing. I'm sure that beam was the main support of the structure. Hang on. I need to put something on my neck. My neck is now covered in some white stuff that, according to the label, is good for scrapes and cuts. It's as greasy as hell, as you can see from the diaphanous stains on the page now. God damn it, I washed my hands three times and it still wouldn't remove this shit. I'm even having trouble holding the pen. I've got a pack of frozen, frozen vegetables on my ankle. I didn't know what they were when I pulled them out from the freezer. Sorry, I didn't know that they were open when I pulled them from the freezer. Some stray peas and kernels of corn may be found under the fridge, slowly defrosting before moulding, and then what? What happens after the mould sets in? Do they, do they deteriorate into thin air, or will we have a farm of mould under the fridge? This is starting to sound like an analogy for life, isn't it? I feel I am digressing. I just opened the good wine. Drinking from the bottle makes me feel grubby but good. Large mouthfuls are better than small sips, especially for the strange mood I find myself in. I saw Martha this morning on what I thought would be my last walk through town. I was dropping a letter in the post box outside Kmart. She had dyed her hair she has dyed her hair raven black. I bet it looks blue under artificial lighting. She is gorgeous. If things had worked out the way I dreamed they would at the prom all those years ago, Martha and I could have been married with a couple of kids by now, but things obviously worked the way they were supposed to. 
It's no one's fault, apart from mine, maybe. So why did I try to rid the world of myself? There's a short answer to that, somewhere in the back of my busy mind. I'm sure of that, but I can't find it. So you will have to listen, read to the long one. Dad died. I was nine years old. I loved him more than I knew at the time. Of course, the fact that I had no idea what love really was until I was 16 didn't help my judgment on how much I cared about him or how much I would miss him as I stood by his graveside. I didn't cry. Why didn't I cry? Is it possible to cry on the inside? Do there have to be tears to show that you are grieving? I remember how the traces of soil stuck to the palm of my hand. It must have been wet. It slapped the top of the coffin with an ominous thump. That thump was so unforgiving, so final. So many pairs of eyes were on me, it felt like they were there for a show. Looking back, I feel that some of them were willing me to cry. I remember trying. I thought of Jervis the gerbil who had died a couple of months before my father. I cried when he died. I thought if I could summon up those feelings for Jervis, I could cry for Dad, but my damn tear ducts wouldn't listen to my brain's commands. My eyes would remain dry. The crowd would remain disappointed. Two days later, I tore down all the posters in my room in what was my first out-of-body experience, if you want to put it that way. Batman, Spider-Man, Jordan, Pippin, they all lay on my bedroom floor in crumpled and torn segments. I didn't get in trouble. I was just told to tidy my room a couple of days later. By that time, Jordan's face was covered in trainer mud and toast crumbs. After that, I found Oregon to be a strange place. It was so beautiful, but so empty, beautifully empty. The furthest I have ever been from here to this day is Tacoma, Washington. We went to see a band called Gross Indifference. Do you remember that time? I was so excited and nervous. Oh, and I nearly forgot. Drunk. My first time drinking alcohol. I was 15. Bob had come on the scene a couple of years before that, trying to fill my father's shoes. He wasn't my stepdad yet, but I knew that he would be one day. Even then, sure he was nice for the first couple of months, but it didn't last. He quickly turned into an ass. First time he told me that I was less than useless, I took it on the chin. Little did I know that this would be his continued way of describing me. Way to boost a boy's confidence, Bob. Where was I? Oh yeah, gross indifference. Marvin's dad drove us up there. We listened to Nirvana on the trip. I thought Kent was so cool to allow us to listen to Nirvana in his car. Bob wouldn't even allow the Rolling Stones in ours. Kirk Cobain was howling at the moon and yet Kent just stared straight ahead at the road. A strange look of satisfaction and fatherly pride on his face whenever he glanced over at Marvin in the passenger seat. He had no idea that the bottles of ginger ale we were all drinking from were laced with liquor from his fully stocked cabinet. We were all swirling by the time we got to the venue. I had to push Leonard from the back seat. He fell out the door. Kent didn't notice though. He told us that he would be back to pick us up at 10.45pm. The venue was dark and smelly and great. Our first concert, except Leonard who had seen Pearl Jam with his parents the year before. Pearl Jam had tumbled from Nirvana's shadow by then and morphed into little more than a Neil Young tribute act. Grunge died the day that shotgun bullet turned Kirk Cobain's lights out. I don't remember any of the Gross Indifference concert. It was like I wasn't there. I still have their first and only album somewhere. From what I remember, it was terrible but great when I was 15. But I had discovered alcohol. I had discovered a fateful companion that had rarely left my side in recent times. That reminds me. It wasn't long after that that the gloom of existence fell on me. I started to read books that made me think about how my life was so contained in this little town, in my little house. I had no siblings. 
Bob had taken over with his dumb rules. He was like a watered-down version of Robert De Niro in This Boy's Life. You've seen that, right? He was a version of him, without the physical abuse, but the psychological abuse was similar. I had turned into Tobias Wolf. Deep down, Bob is a coward. When I outgrew him, he began to keep his comments to himself, but his early tormenting had left invisible scars. I'm not saying he gave me a complex, but it wasn't too far off. Of course he is irrelevant now. He would introduce me as his stepson. I would introduce him as Bob. My brain was nagging me at the time. By the, sorry, my, my brain was nagging me by the time I was 18. Don't go there. It'll be too busy. You know you don't like people or crowds. Don't answer that phone. They will only want something from you. I know that sounds a lot like schizophrenia, but I assure you it's not. It's my own voice, not someone else's. It was my conscious and subconscious joining forces to isolate me and cut me off from the world. I remember clearly being dragged to the hospital by my, by my then-girlfriend, Carrie. Depression. Are you serious, Dr. Weinberg? Yes, son. It seems that your answers to the questionnaire here are more than alluding to this. I will prescribe something for you to take to increase the serotonin levels in your brain. I will also refer you to my friend, Dr. Kettle, for a talk. I laughed. Not because my diagnosis was in any way funny. No, I laughed at the therapist's name, Dr. Kettle. Would a depressed person laugh at something like that? Well, yes, yes, they would. Damn, did I cry that night. I soaked both of Carrie's shoulders. By the time my appointment with Dr. Kettle, ha-ha, <laughs> gets me every time, came around, I was single again. Apparently, it wasn't working out between me and Carrie. It wasn't because of the depression, though. Oh, no, of course not. She swore on that. What I still wonder to this day is, was the psychiatric hospital entirely, entirely necessary? Dr. Kettle recommended this day after only my second appointment with him. I thought you had to talk about suicide or mass murder before you were sent there. I hadn't mentioned earlier. I hadn't mentioned either of them, had I? No, I hadn't. I was positive. Was it because I liked crying more than laughing? The rain more than the sun? The night more than the day? That hospital had no time, no light, no seasons. Just loonies, as I was once called, as I once called them. But not any more, though. No, because then I would be, by definition. A loony myself, and I wasn't. I'm not. I swear, and this is a proper swear, not like Carrie's swears. I watched TV all day in there. I was numbed by the piles of pills they were giving me. I was almost rendered comatose by them, catatonic with my eyes just about open. Visiting hours came and went in blurs and chunks of comfortable solitude. Group therapies were, were revealing in funny little ways. I rarely indulged the therapist or the other residents, as I now call them, with my stories. I didn't know how I felt. I left it up to the doctors to decide that. Ironically, it was only when I got in there that I started to think of suicide. I hated life but never wanted out of it until I was incarcerated behind those bright white walls of insane ramblings and rabid outer and interaction. Oh, I forgot. With my mind wandering, I left out prom night. The night where Marta turned me down before the dessert had even arrived at our table and Carrie arrived on the scene before the cream and chocolate covered plates were removed by the smartly turned out waiters. I took Marta to the prom and hoped that our friendship would blossom into something more passionate, even amidst the drunken girls and testosterone swollen boys. I had loved her for a couple of years then, since I was 16. I asked her straight out that night, just after dinner, if she thought that we could ever be more than just friends. No, we couldn't apparently, because her heart was elsewhere. Time moved in spasms of awkwardness. I said something to Marta that hurt her. I can't remember what, but she ran off to the restroom with a clump of tissue under her right eye. 
a dam to hold back the threat of spoiled mascara. Carrie sat down beside me. She looked as miserable as I felt. I kind of knew her and I kind of didn't. Where's your date? I asked. My voice was holding itself together against all odds, against the tides of barely post-teen adolescence emotions. See that guy over there? I did. He was dancing, gyrating with a pretty blonde on the dance floor, his hands roving around her body like a suspicious security guard at an airport. We talked. Marta didn't return to the table. I saw her leave alone sometime after midnight. We never talked properly again after that night. She was my first love and first heartbreak. Love. I found out that night is tough and rarely worth the effort it needs to blossom. She's with Danny now, as you know. I don't think I ever told you that story before, did I? Well, I left with Carrie that night. She was a distraction for a while until more pressing issues came to the fore and she departed, with dust rising behind her hurried footsteps. I left the hospital, not so much a changed man, more a man who had his eyes open wide to the wonders of mental health care in our state and the readily availability of mind-numbing prescription drugs. Every Monday I took my little white slip of paper to the pharmacy, who in turn handed me a bag full of small bottles, filled with my little pills that swept away all emotions, good and bad. I was no longer a three-dimensional animated being. I was now 2D and empty. I spoke very little, as you know. I strangely existed on a diet of two hours sleep a night. I grew my hair to hide my face. I grew my fingernails to scrape through the skin on my arms so I could see that I still had blood in my body and was not just some robot, which was how I felt. Self-harm was just an extension of being to me at the time. Why do people get so, obsess so upset about it? It is self-harm. It isn't hurting you or anyone else, it is hurting me. I use hurting in the broadest sense possible here because it doesn't really hurt. It just reaffirms and exhilarates in equal measure. I'm trying to help you understand all this, by the way. This is not a letter to make you cry or to make you feel sad or to make you think, gee, could I have done more to help? It's not for any of those reasons, and no, you couldn't have done any more than you did. I think of people like Bob as I write this. He makes people feel depressed and sad by his dumb, insensitive actions. Again, it is not his fault either. He is just another part of the grand machine, a tiny, rusting cog. By what, 23? I'd given up on self-harm, but I remain proud of my scars. It had its function at the time, but became mundane and unimportant in my life. I stopped bringing the little slips of paper to the pharmacy too. Call it a revelation in a dream. Call it whatever you want, really. I needed to feel again, even if it was pain that I was feeling, or isolation, or depression, or just plain blah. And it came back, that small seven-letter word, feeling. It came back like a tangled robe, full of complications, frustrations, anger. But the single most important thing was that it was back. I would like to say it felt great, but it really just presented itself as a kind of paradox. Feeling was back, but depression was its chief, its marching leader, and I tried to ride that steed with at least a little bit of control. But I kept falling off. I keep falling off. I borrowed two self-help books from the library a while back, how to, solve it, how to Cope with Depression and Life with Depression, How to Help Yourself Recover. It seemed like a good idea at the time. The problem with the first title was the word cope. Coping is that the coping is that the best that we sufferers can hope for the problem with the second title was life with depression it sounded like some kind of prison sentence that had been handed down to the reader i find the defendant guilty of being a depressive person i sentence him her to life inside himself herself thank you judge thanks for everything i'm just gonna get a drink of water because i realize my voice might be getting a bit horrible sounding
Okay. So what defines me? Oh no, hold on. I skipped a whole paragraph. The self-help books still sit in my room, totting up library fees every passing week. I read through them once. They just piss me off. Sorry, I read through them once. They just pissed me off. Maybe deep down I wanted to keep them from the library. Keep them from another person who might be looking for a cure. You won't find it between these pages, I'm afraid. Take your pills, scratch your arms, hang yourself in a barn, do whatever you like. Just please stop yourself from reading these insignificant tombs, tomes written by authors who have studied but never suffered from depression. That would be my advice to people. Not to you, of course. You are fine. You are and always have been just great. I know you wanted me to talk about all of this with you, but it seems easier to put ink to paper. Have I told you much? Probably not. You've seen the scars. I caught you looking at them on a couple of occasions. On those days when it was just too hot to keep my arms covered and I had no choice but to wear short sleeves. Why didn't you ask about them? Were you embarrassed, appalled, afraid? Oh, it doesn't matter now, I guess. So what defines me? Depression? When I walk through Main Street, do the people in the know, as it were, see me as me, or do they see me as the poor soul who suffers from mental health? I hope I'm just plain old me. It's not that I care about what they think. It's just that I don't want to be typecast, like I am playing some sort of role in their lives. I wasn't always depressed. Well, not in the true sense of the word. I just grew into it. I bet you're wondering, wondering why I went to the barn, aren't you? Well, I'll tell you. I went because it was the barn or nothingness. I know death is nothingness too, but it is nothingness without the pain, if you can understand that. The other nothingness is my life here in Oregon. I love three people in total. You are one and there are two others. I know you know who I'm talking about. I did consider all of your feelings, but I felt you were all strong and would get past the loss of time. I'm just a void in your lives. I rarely fill that void with anything worthwhile. So what is a void if it disappears? A voidless void. A negative. A double negative. So I went to the barn guilt-free, feeling as if the world would keep turning and that the grass would keep growing for you. You without me. I've finished the wine now. My teeth have turned the strange purpley colour that they get after the sediment of the wine clings onto the plaque in enamel. I think I have said all I wanted to say, which was the intention of this letter in the first place, of course. I will brush my teeth and shove my toothbrush in my pack bag. It's getting dark now. You know how I love walking at night. I may not like it so much with this limp, but the frozen vegetables helped a little. I had to throw them in the garbage, though, as they got all soggy. I have my ankles strapped tight. The darkness seems to be an appropriate place for me to head into because I don't know what I'll do or where I'll go, but I know I'll be leaving Oregon. I'll check on the barn on the way past. Fingers crossed that, like me, it's still standing and will live to fight another day. I know you will survive without me, at least that way. Sorry, at least this way you won't truly be without me. Let me assure you that I will still be breathing wherever I end up. I can only leave you with all my love and thoughts. I will be in touch but it may not be for a little while. Lots of love. P.S. My key is under the front mat. P.P.S. I took a scarf to cover my neck. Turns out turquoise is my colour after all. So, I hope you like that. Uh, just something different. Like I said, a couple of people had said I should do it. And I think they were probably right. It's no harm to get my... Uh, maybe get some confidence in myself and in my writing and just to get it out there. And that in particular story obviously means a lot to me because it was a lot of the feelings at the time were uh you know deep down what i was trying to figure out myself so 
I wanted to kind of break it down slightly. I won't go too far into it because I've, I've other things to talk about. But I just want to, like, I want to talk a little bit about how I could have written that at the time and how I doubt I could write it now. Um, I did have a worry about alcohol in the past, as you know. I did find that it was a, a, a you know, a way to erase the anxiety that I felt or, or, you know, the sadness that I felt and it, it was a substitute for, for that. And when I took it away from myself, that's when it, things got really bad. Now, I'm glad I took it away from myself because, you know, you either go one way or the other and if I, don't, if I didn't take it away from myself, I could easily have turned into someone who, who would be considered an alcoholic and I would have a lot of stuff I would have had to work out then, not just the anxiety and depression you have, more and more things on top of that and that that's something that I'm I'm very pleased that I could uh, I could wipe out before it got too much of a problem. I mentioned that it, the 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 character in the story went to to um psychiatric hospital. And I think the threat of that hanging over me at the time was was very um was a very frightening prospect and it may be it put some pressure on myself to get better quicker than I probably would have naturally. And I don't know if it was always beneficial, but like I said, I remember my friend going to a, a psychiatric hospital and I went to visit him and it was really hard thing to do. I found it such a cold, scary place at the time. So I could, and that was like on, a, on a, an hour visit, we'll say. So I could only imagine how cold and scary it would be to stay there for an extended period. But that fear and paranoia was with me at all times that I think that I thought that it, it was a possibility that it could end up there. Um, the idea also in the story that's touched upon of medication, that that you could become something of a of a robot you know an emotionless kind of robot whose whose goal in life is just to get through it and maybe get through it without having any actual feelings be them positive or negative it it doesn't matter but you need to have negative negative experiences to learn and uh, to grow and you need to have negative experiences anyway to to uh, you know as as a person that that's part of it you know to experience things negatively and positively and I think before, or what I had heard about um, antidepressants before I started taking them was the f- that they could only be a bad thing. It wasn't going to help in any way. It wasn't going to be, um, you know, it wasn't going to be a positive thing. It was going to be more of a negative thing. And to be honest, I'm, I'm glad I shut that out and I'm glad I went with what the, the experts told me because uh, they have certainly helped me in, in many ways. And I know people will still come to me and say that they had bad experiences on them or they've had negative experience negative experiences and they've they've they haven't been able to take them due to you know weight gain and there's loads of different factors and there's lo- unfortunately there's loads of different side effects of them but you know i think a side effect uh, of mine would have been that i would have ended up hurting myself and you know like the story relates to our, our sorry um talks about is you know that that's always hanging over uh i had to kind of you know, to use the word embrace is is probably a bit too far, but at this uh, hour of the morning, <laughs> it's probably all I can get. But it's just, yeah, to to embrace the fact that, uh, you know, antidepressants and 
anti-anxiety medic- medication was going to be something that I was going to have to take and possibly for the rest of my life. And to be uh, to be honest, I am fine with that if it makes me feel okay. I, I'm not gonna. I'm I'm not someone who's gonna feel um in any way bad about taking something that's gonna help me. But again, I don't wouldn't push it down. <clears throat> excuse me. I wouldn't push it down someone else's throat that you should take it because it may not be for you. And there's always a concern, and again, it alludes to it in the story. There's always a concern that of people, and like I mentioned to you before, someone called me a loony a while back, um, well, years back, and uh, it really affected me, and it really made me, you know, almost be afraid to go through town and be so self-conscious walking through town and throw that on top of an anxiety disorder, and you've got a really, really difficult situation that you find yourself in. Uh, and I think, you know, that person who who did that was in their, you know, I'm sure they had their own problems, but it, it is easier to snap at, at other people and to and to say things about other people that, you know, you you can remove yourself from it then because they're not in your lives all the time. It's just someone you saw out or you heard about. You hadn't heard their name in a while, and all of a sudden you hear their name, and then you you called Maloney. I did have huge, I did have huge worries that people would have a go at me and find me. Uh, to be weird or, or or whatever it was, but when I when that happened, clearly it doubled or tripled maybe um, into even more worries. So, like that character in the story, it it wasn't for him to be going into t- to the, the the town he lived in anymore because all he thought was all he felt was fear and paranoia. Um, I'm happy to say I wrote that story a long long time ago. I have come a long way since it. Um, I, I I'm I'm glad I've. You know, I'm proud of myself. I'm, I'm, I'm so proud to have had all of these people who have in my life who have helped me, and that that's that's an amazing thing. You know, when you get you get a far and far away from something where you feel so heavy and upset and down about, and to the people who have got me to where I am now, thank you so much. I I did ask myself the question, and I was talking to someone the other day about it. Would I be able to write the story now? Uh, probably not, to the extent, to the the depth that it goes to on depression and anxiety and things, and mental health. I don't think I'd be able to write it now. I don't. I'm not in that space anymore. I do think I'd be able to maybe, you know, in retrospectively write it, if you know what I mean. When I'm when I'm looking back and able to write it that way, but. Whether it would have the power that it, it, it does for me um, in in that story, Life is a Failure, is, is another thing. Uh, that's it for that part of the podcast. Listen, if I, do you know what? I'm gonna, I wasn't going to do this because I haven't written it down, so clearly I wasn't. <laughs> All right, everything now. If anybody wants to read any of my stories, um, send us a, you know, DM me or send me a message or whatever you want to do, and I can email some stories on to you. That's just one. Um, I've written 22 states. Uh, and I think I've written two or three set in Ireland as well. So I've got a few there on the go. So like I say, anybody wants to uh, anyone's read any more stories, feel free to um, to ask. Fusion Training Centre, Monksland Athlone. A place to train in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, kickboxing, martial arts and CrossFit. A great atmosphere with experienced coaches and a real sense of community. If you want to join the team, Find us on Facebook at Fusion Training Centre or drop in for a chat. Fusion Training Centre. Train like a warrior. Big plans with Martin 
Uh, he put them out this week. Things are moving, folks. Numbers are down and cases are down and things like that. And let's keep our fingers crossed and keep up social distancing because I really want to go back and train. Selfish, that was actually the way I said that. Um, so, yeah, this, this week I went into town for the first time in whatever it was, a couple of months, I suppose. Um, I had to go to the chemist. So... I cycled into town. I just want to explain to people who do not know Athlone or listen to this. I live on the the conic side of Athlone, so I cycled in a bit. I got to the bridge over the, the Shannon to cross to the Leinster side. Now, uh, it's a one-way street now on that side. So coming through the main street, like Church Street and Athlone, that's coming, uh, that's um, uh, one way. So that's coming towards me if I'm on the bike coming across the bridge. So... I have to go around the loop to get to Church Street. Now, I looked up the road and I was it was so empty, right? And I used to cycle to work when I was working in the Dog and Duck, um, which is in Ballycairn. If you haven't been there, go there as soon as it opens. It's a great pub. Lovely owners. Um, the owner's daughter is married to my brother. So you got to put a bit of pl- a plug in there. So when so when I was when I was working there, I used to be cycling through town maybe a half six seven o'clock in in the, in the morning, and there'd be no one around. So it was like that. But at this time when I went in, it must have been about half eleven twelve o'clock um, on on Thursday when I went in. So I, I uh, they made the street one way, so they made the paths a lot wider. So I I would never cycle up the paths if it was a normal uh, working day. I'd I'd walk up the paths. And I was cycling over the paths, and it was, it was a very strange. It was a very strange feeling I got. I was very uncomfortable going across the bridge because of the fact I hadn't been there in a couple of months. And I, I'm gonna like refer this to my idea of what some people are gonna feel. I'm, I mean, people who have are anxiety sufferers are gonna feel once this. Um, this whole thing is lifted with say and we get into phase five and that is you know mental health is going to be a big problem after this for many reasons um obviously COVID 19 the whole the whole stuff that went on around it is the major reason but there's many reasons why it will but one of the reasons i think what will, will happen is people with anxiety problems um be the mild or severe are ad- adapt to environments i think they adapt to environments quicker than you would imagine but i also feel that uh, that's not always a good thing and i think what has happened or what will happen to some people now is because we've been on on lockdown and we've been in our house we've be, we've become so comfortable in our environment anxiety isn't necessarily as big if we don't have to leave the house we're still anxious of course so I think what will happen is when people are forced or are made or, you know, they just will go back to to regular, normal um, life. I think anxiety is going to go through the roof for some people because they've got to become, grow accustomed to going out again and going to supermarkets and going to, to work and things like that. And I think that's going to be very tough on people. So I did sense a, some sort of an, an unease going across the bridge. Um. So, I, like I say, I was the nerves started taking over once I was in there and I was I, I was um, cycling up those paths. There was no one there. I don't think I met anyone on the streets on the way in, to be honest with you. I think it was a couple of cars, obviously, but I don't think any, um, any people walking around, you know. So I went through and I went to the chemist and I went in the door of the chemist. I hadn't been in the chemist for, you know, obviously a while. 
and you could you just walked in a meter and then it was bang the whole thing was covered up now if that's the way they felt to approach the um the restrictions that's cool you know that's their way of doing it but it felt so odd to walk into a chemist and then just bang not you're almost at another door and you're just dealing with a little kind of a a small gap in the uh, in the plexiglass and they're handing you out something you're handing them the money and i'm i'm so paranoid about handing money to people i know people say you sh- i've been using card all the time but i just happened to have money on me because it was my birthday i got uh, i got some money off me my um, my dad my, my granddad um my mother put her straight into the bank but uh, yeah so we got i had money on me and i and i paid and i, I kind of felt bad about it you know um so there was something about the lack of people that was making me anxious and i i was thinking about this for this podcast and i still can't quite put the, my um put my finger on it because obviously if there's if i am anxious with a lot of people around it's it's the fact you know i can just say straight away there's a lot of people that's the reason but why was i feeling anxious with no people around uh, you know the fact that it was half 11 12 o'clock it was so jarring with the people you know, I walked past the post office with a few people in there, fine. But I just didn't meet people, and I found it so odd. I came out of the chemist, I got my got myself sorted in the chemist, and I went around to the shopping centre, uh, the, the main shopping centre in, in uh, the town centre in, in Athlone. And I, it was empty, like, you know, obviously, because there was, no, there was no shops open, there was probably one or two, maybe the chemist was open there or whatever. And everything was kind of laid out that there was, there was um, it was very well laid out actually that there was space for you to walk where um, they had kind of poles put up, you know, with that extent, the extendable fabric, whatever it's called, I don't know, <laughs> the, the descriptions. But I, I walked down one side and I walked, there was a one person on the other side. But then on the way, kind of, I did a kind of a circuit of it. Now, don't ask me why. I was already feeling anxious. I didn't know what I was doing. It was almost as if I was trying to test myself, test myself against the emptiness of the place, the kind of uh, very strange, massive shopping center that just had no one there, and it was midday. But I, I started walking out the other way, and there was a lady in front of me, and I was kind of walking my, my normal pace, which is probably quick enough, considering I just want to get out of everywhere, every place I'm in. And I started approaching this lady and she was walking kind of slower than I was. And I was approaching, approaching. And then I realized that I have to keep my distance. So I started walking really slowly to kind of make her get ahead of me. It was such a bizarre feeling to be trying to delay the whole, you know, my whole gait. Just to kind of, you know, help someone kind of push on. And uh, it was it was strange, to be honest with you. I felt so unnerved in the whole the whole situation i didn't like the 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 anxiety that i felt in an empty shopping center could be just as bad as an an anxiety um, feeling i have in in a full one and it's just bizarre for me um so that was just an interesting little trip for me into town just to see what the see how i would how i would get on um being i suppose like I felt quite vulnerable that I was just in there, but and I was just, you know, keeping social distancing. But the, at the same time, from who? Like there was no one there. It was, it was, it was truly a truly odd experience. So I just want to share that with you. Um, 
like I said at the start of this uh, podcast or episode, I should say, this we're going to have a return of the guests. I'm so happy. I can't wait. It's going to be fun and to just get people back in. You know, get whoever can come in, whoever's name I have written down, it mightn't be in exactly the same order as I wanted it to be because of different restrictions and things. But, you know, I have someone jumping in for me um, for next week's episode, which I'm really excited about. And then I'm going to try and get the order going again that I had planned. But like I said, I'll be in contact with you to to ask if you're comfortable if you're you know whatever it is um if you want to do the social distancing thing uh if if you're going to be comfortable with doing the social distancing thing whether it's whether you want it to be more of a a, an intimate kind of uh chat uh, where we're not like uh, far away from each other and uh worried about whatever um whether you want to come over and give me a big handshake or whatever that's cool we can wait until july or august whenever that uh well we we'll probably still still be telling us not to do that i suppose but we'll bump elbows uh so yeah i'm really looking forward to uh, i love you know the for, for the four guests i have i love being able to talk to another person i really like doing these these podcasts these um solo ventures and you know i've spoken to john about it and john as i'd expect from john he's he's very very supportive he usually listens before everybody else because he gets the podcast before it comes out so he can set up whatever he needs to do so it's great to have that feedback i think i would be struggling if i didn't have him but i i want to have somebody in you know here i i i it's not that i've been struggling to come up with things to talk about i haven't i've it's the feelings of it's the worry that what I've come up to talk to come up with to talk about isn't interesting enough for the listeners, if you know what I mean. In my mind, I mean, obviously, you know, it's just my own. It's it's how I feel about things. I'm not full of confidence in the fact that I can just come up with a. Can I? You know, a lot of people can do it, but I can't just come up with a topic and go, "Yes, that's going to be the best episode." It can be. I come up with topics and I think and I worry and I worry and I hope this is the best. I love having people in to learn from them too, you know. I learn so much from the episodes we've done. Um, each person brought their own unique kind of uh, view on the world. Uh, they obviously have their own unique uh, hobbies and experiences. And I've loved learning from people like that. Uh, it's it's so much it's so much fun for me and it's much more fun than me than uh, me just sitting down talking for an hour for me uh, it's more fun um like our li- our listenership has dropped a little bit which is understandable because it's me every week and you know some people don't want to kind of just go with that and i un- i understand 100% i wouldn't i wouldn't blame people for that but i do think that when the uh, guests come back the view- the listenership will rise because People know that two people having a conversation together, anything, things can go anywhere. Whereas just one person talking, it's not quite the the levels of, uh, let's see what happens. You know, it could go, it it could go either way. But I think when guests arrive and they change the whole tone, uh, they can bring the conversations to places you never thought they would go with 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 somebody. Even if you know that somebody very well, that's that's another thing about it. Um, the four people I've have on, I know, um, I know very well. I know a couple of them and. I think 
those conversations were so interesting to me because I knew the topics they kind of knew the topics we were going to talk about and address and then all of a sudden we were we were going to different places with it and it it was so much fun and I hope that you thought the same so you know one voice can kind of become wary uh, wearing on people so I think two voices will just brighten everything up a bit more um you know this it's I think conversations like yeah going with kind of that thread again it's like conversations are easier to latch on to than one single voice i know my voice is kind of it's kind it's kind of like a you know there's no up you know ups and downs i'm not like even when i'm telling that story i'm trying to make it like more animated than it than i usually am just because it's more interesting to people it's it's more pleasing in people's ears but when i'm just talking about uh, different subjects whether it's about mental health or film or whatever it is you know i know i can be a bit monotone and those voices it's not as pleasing on the ear and it's harder to focus on than if it was if it's more than one voice and it's a conversation it's easier to, you almost feel part of it as if you're there if it's a conversation another reason i'm looking forward to i wrote this down actually and i and i put a highlighter pen through it uh another reason i'm uh, looking forward to guests coming on is it's less work for me now that goes that goes along what i was just saying it's it'll be a removal of the constant worry i've been feeling over the last weeks when it comes in regards to the podcast in that if it's good if it is good enough um if people will be interested in this because i i i know the people listen all the time they send me messages they send us messages to our our social media accounts and I think it's it's so great because we've got that little group. I could, you know, I could pick off at least 20 off the top of my head of people who have been listening to every episode and people who have, no, they're maybe not being caught up with it yet, but they're they're catching up with it, you know. And I, I think that's so mad to me that, that, you know, something that me and John created that can be, that some people will just keep listening to each episode and follow each episode. You're uh, the true champions of it all in you have been there from day one and you're getting you've gone through every solo episode that i've done and you've you've gone through obviously the guests as well and i know that you're going to be uh i'm sure just as as excited as i am to get to to more guests and learn more things and just hear me just trying to be my you know be parkinson in the middle of it um you also you yeah that feeling of anxiety and nervousness about the the, the t- if the topics are good enough that's another thing because this is it it all hinges on on your interest in the topics because i don't i know i don't at the start of each episode i don't lay out the plan of what i'm going to talk about in that particular week but i i do have i do tend to put maybe three topics we'll say and if the first one doesn't catch your attention you're not going to stick with it and it'll still show up on our 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 um our information on youtube or or on whatever uh, podcast platform you listen to but uh, that's not it's not just about the numbers either you know we want people to obviously we want people to enjoy the episodes but we want people to stick with it we want people to listen to the whole episode and take something away from it because if you turn off after the first subject maybe you know you're missing something that could um you could uh, apply to your life 
you could it could be uh, something that could help you. So uh, it's very important for us to kind of hit the marks in, in that sense as well. Um, so yeah, so I also have downloaded the joy of having a proper conversation. I talked about this before in oh God, but it's an early podcast. But the the joys of having a conversation with somebody without interruption on a deep level that maybe you wouldn't normally have you wouldn't normally have if you were training with them or if you worked with them but whatever regular life situation it is you won't have had these conversations but for me to sit down and really delve into someone because i'm interested in people really delve into their their mental health um their their physical health what to think of things like psychology and philosophy and all those things, but also then just like whether it's sport or music, what gets them through their day, what helps them, what motivates them to to train or or to uh, to create or whatever it is they do in their real life. So uh, to have a conversation like that, deep conversation with of any four people so far, and those people are going, those people are going to go, you know, obviously get higher and higher. I think I've got about twelve people written down all uh confirmed guests so and i don't know some of them i know some of them on a on a kind of a deep level i know some of them just to say hello are not really just to say hello to but on a kind of friendly level but then i don't know other people at all um i know why they want to come on the show and i know why i want them to come on the show and i can't wait to kind of like I, i joke about being less work it obviously is less work for me if I have someone here, but I want those questions to, you know, I'm learning as I go with these questions, and I want these questions to be pressing enough for them to kind of come out of their shell and tell me exactly what it is they go through every day, and uh, what do they know that I don't know, or other people don't know, as a ways to deal with, um, whether it's it's mental health, um, you know, whether it's just life in general, you know, whether it's their skills of being like one of me had uh, Josh on, he's very into his philosophy. Uh, Martin knows all about his his physical uh, fitness things. Um, physical fitness things sounds like <laughs> I have no idea what he was talking about, but I do because obviously I tr- he's my coach. Um, we had Zita on who was who was into her um into her powerlifting. And nutrition, and then we uh, jo- saying sorry, same goes for Josh and nutrition, uh, and we might have something. If, I'm not going to say it now, but we will have something about nutrition that I'm a little challenge for myself. That that's going to go down once me and Josh can are keeping to get uh, are sort of getting together on a regular basis because uh, he has to keep an eye on me because he's the he's the um, nutritionist and I am just the guy that's going to try and improve mine. And we had Calvin on who who you know who works as a as a graphic designer and he runs a you know he co-runs a a, a martial arts event um or organization i should say uh but who who's this real positive guy who i really wanted to tap into that so these all these guests have been great i'm so um i'm looking forward to it so much getting people back in um there's i listened back to every episode to, to to hear what i did right and what i did wrong to listen back to the guest episodes is so much more exciting for me than just to listen to my own. Basically because I have gone through that episode all week and I've gone um, through those subjects all week in my mind and I've sub- researched them and stuff. So, so to go back over it is like going back over a, 
you know, a song every every hour for about a week. Uh, even if you like that song, it'll start to worry, get wearing. But uh, listen, that's that's. Um, I hope that was a, a a good last solo effort for you. Um, I'm doing a stretch now, a celebratory stretch because we are we are in the end end zone for uh, for just me and my guests will return and uh, we are so happy about it. Uh, listen, if you have any questions, still send them in. Uh, we'll try and stick them in uh, the middle of an episode, the end of an episode coming up. Whatever you want to ask, uh, don't feel like we had a question an, uh, from an anonymous person um, there uh, a couple of weeks ago. You can there is if you want to want it to remain anonymous. Absolutely, tell me and I'll read out the question and I'll answer it as well, as best I can. There is no problem with that. Uh, DM us as I say shout out big shout out to John as usual uh, keeping up his fitness schedules and keep uh, with uh, with Megan he is still working on our stuff getting it out at 10am every Wednesday I think that's working quite well because now people get a get a uh, get a get a you know can stick it in their schedule where they want it like I know my mom she goes for walks after that on a Wednesday and she's able to listen to the podcast on her walk which she loves um so yeah thanks to john for sorting that out for me because i wouldn't be able to do it on my own um thank you very much to jer my mom my dad and my granddad as ever um subscribe to our youtube channel if you can if you've got the resources to do that it's uh it's important for us to get out there on youtube i think um a lot of people uh, still listen to us there so if you could do that for us we'd be so grateful um we are on facebook at the weekly weekly we're on instagram at weekly the weekly and twitter is weekly underscore there and of course on twitter you'll find us under weekly the week um the weekly weekly as well of course so uh your podcast platforms are spotify apple anchor google podcasts breaker overcasts podcasts and radio public listen We've been really enjoying our Saturday things. I was going to drop it a couple of weeks ago because I wasn't happy with a song that I did on it. I thought it sounded terrible. But that was just me being, you know, insecure about my voice. So obviously we've done it a couple of times since then and I've sang lower, lower registers. I think I sang a Johnny Cash song and I sang Working Class Hero with John Lennon there last week. I don't have to sing all the time. It's just just for something to do, isn't it? Like... Um, so so join us on on Facebook Live. I'll put a I'll put a post out on Friday on Facebook and maybe on Instagram on the Saturday. I think I do I think I do it that way, where I let you know that what when we are going live, what time it'll be, and the it's normally half six on the Saturday. And to ask as many questions as you want, silly or funny or serious, it doesn't matter. We enjoy doing it. Um. John is the is the man that keeps the as I said keeps it going and I just try and answer the questions as best I can and it's it's more fun it's a bit of fun the podcast this Wednesday episode is obviously what we're what we're about but to do the Saturday thing especially when we're in this this lockdown it's just a bit of crack and I hope you're enjoying it um as much as we are because you know it's it's something to do and it's productive and I don't do I do <laughs> I do so little research for it. I, I literally listen to music 
read a book and watch some movies and then I tell you about them and then we see where the little 15-20 minute segment goes from there but anyway I'm waffling on here uh, like I said thank you so much everyone for, for helping us through these solo uh, sh- these solo shows um, it's been it's been it's been very rewarding for me and I've learned a lot as I've gone along but I'm glad it's over to be honest with you um this is episode 16 which is incredible so that's 12 i've done on my own it was only supposed to be two so the exciting part is for me that episode 17 is going to be again say episode 17 with and we can go from there yeah listen thanks for listening to this episode i hope you didn't mind the the egotistical uh, nature of it with me reading my own short story but uh I think it was a good idea and I hope it worked well and I hope it worked well for you. I'm off to drink tea as usual. Maybe maybe treat myself to a Belvita bar and watch. I've actually got South Pacific recorded on TV. You might watch that. Never seen it before. My dad was in South Pacific when he was a, a younger man and his friend uh, Benny, uh, were, they were both in the, the musical society and they both did South Pacific I still can't figure out what part either of them played because there's a <laughs> there's a level of them trying to sing over each other when I'm in their presence, which is always hilarious. But um, yeah, I'm going to go watch that and try to figure out. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll get some of the references. But uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, take care of yourselves. Have a great week. And we'll hear from you next week. Bye bye.